Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about creating comfortable buildings through energy efficiency with the help of special guest John Viner of 7th Wave in Madison, Wisconsin. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hello everyone, I'm Tim Fowler and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. I got to start right off by saying I love the fact that there are people out there that are really working on energy saving solutions and developing homes that are more comfortable for people to live in. But I'm probably one of the people that needs the most education on this. When I was a production manager back in the early 90s, the idea of energy conversation or conservation, excuse me, was just beginning to hit the trades. And it started with, at least where I was working with, what's the percentage of windows that you have in a wall? And our our county building department would literally look at the square footage of glass in a wall. They didn't care too much about the insulation, but they cared a lot about the glass. I remember having a debate within the company that I worked with, you know, what are we going to use? Are we going to use this new thing called house wrap or Are we going to use that tried and true tar paper to wrap the house? And so these were the conversations that I started into the business with. And then, of course, there's a lot that's been happening since then. What's really nice is that I think in general, we're figuring out that it's not about house wrap or tar paper, and it's not about windows or insulation, but it's about an entire system that has to be looked at and thought about and worked so that we have homes that are comfortable, energy efficient, and that are going to last for a long, long time. So what we're really grateful for is that there's been a group of researchers and specialists that have emerged that really focus their attention on these kinds of qualities that we're looking for. Another good thing is that manufacturers have seen some Uh, potential for profit in there and are getting on board and creating all kinds of new products. And it's really fun to see some of these that are coming out and to see what they do. Of course, some of this has been helped by the price of oil and probably many people won't really get on board with this until oil prices just go so sky high that, you know, we have to look at these alternatives. Another thing about this topic is I've really enjoyed making several trips uh, to the Wisconsin Dells, which are just north of Madison, for a conference that's been dedicated to helping builders and remodelers think about how these kinds of systems work. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later, but I'm going to be going back there in February of 2019. And I just thought it'd be fun to bring one of those organizers onto the show and just start talking about some of these things. And also to bring the attention to our uh, listeners that these kinds of activities are out there if they wanna learn some more about these types of systems. So Steve, you did remodeling for a little bit. 
what were your concerns in terms of energy and comfort for your clients? Well, I mean, I think it was a lot of it was, uh, you know, I wanted the best for the, for what I was building, but also, you know, keeping up with a lot of the products that were coming out. It's, and, you know, also, uh, a lot of the things that were put in place through the, um, you know, the codes and, and keeping up with all of that. But, um, you know, it was really about taking that space that you had for us as remodelers and uh, making it as efficient as it can under the budget, which sometimes you were constrained by. But uh, I'm very excited to talk uh, with John. So I think we should get right into it. Uh, Let's go for it. As the senior project manager of 7th Wave, John Viner develops and manages education programs for residential, commercial, and industrial building professionals. His specialty is working with energy efficiency programs and uses customers and trade allies to identify knowledge gaps and to create content that empowers attendees to change their energy use. As a technical expert himself, John also keeps his skills sharp with various infield projects as part of 7th Wave's research and program evaluation projects. Welcome to the show, John. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Um, Appreciate you uh, inviting me on. Okay, so let's get started, John. So just, you know, 7th Wave, what is it? (laughs) And what do you do? Um, We got a little bit in the intro there, but give us a little more information about what you do and what 7th Wave does. Yeah, I'll start with uh, 7th Wave. So we're a a nonprofit based here in Madison, but also have an office in Chicago. Um, Some of the main things that we do um, on behalf of 7th Wave is deliver energy efficiency programs um, for various utilities. The most uh, uh, prominent one is in Chicago for the electric utility, ComEd. Um, But we also have a pretty strong uh, research arm where we are... Um, hired by utilities, state, local, and federal governments to really assess what is saving energy out there in the real world um, versus uh, the lab tests or um, various manufacturers' claims, et cetera. We put it to the test, so that's really cool. Um, And it really helps to inform the next generation of energy efficiency programs as utilities and state governments look to offer incentives for various measures and processes they want to make sure they're spending that money wisely. So we um, do that um, under our research department. Um, and then I spend a lot of time on the educational side where the utilities are primarily in Wisconsin, but outside Wisconsin as well, will hire us to um, provide educational programs, often based on technologies, the latest technologies that are available, whether it's lighting or mechanical systems to help inform their customers to reduce energy use. So what I'm hearing you say is that at least in some way, you're kind of like the consumer reports for some energy saving products like light bulbs and things like that. You're testing these things to make sure that they really live up to the manufacturer's uh, claims. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think there's some truth to that. Um, We certainly um, will look at energy efficiency programs as is, and uh, sometimes we tell them the the hard truth that maybe uh, what they were incentivizing really really didn't save them as much as program evaluation teams had allotted them over the years, right? So then they have to, you know, essentially retune, um, refocus their incentives to make sure they're spending oftentimes public dollars wisely. Okay, so that that leads into a a question that I 
kind of always run around in my head. There's just this thing like there's so many different things. There's insulation, there's glazings, there's air sealing, there's house wrap, there's, you know, all, all these things floating around out there. And unless you're dedicated to researching it, it might get a bit overwhelming. So if you can maybe boil some stuff down to like, where, what are some of the things that if a remodeler really wanted to focus on, it would be kind of the top of the list? Right, right. Yeah, there's a, you know, I was going to say a long list, but often maybe it's a little shorter than we think in terms of categories. Um, we know insulation works. We, we know we put it in our house and it reduces conductive or thermal heat flow through the building envelope. Um, but if we don't have that air sealing or that insulation encapsulated, which they say encapsulated on six sides, essentially an air barrier, so there's no movement of um, no currents of air drifting through that insulation might be one way to put it. It really makes that insulation work a little bit more effectively. So um, oftentimes um, making the buildings tight is often rises to the top, but there's consequences to making a building tight if it isn't done correctly, right? And we don't have the ventilation. Um, but uh, the added benefits to air sealing is making insulation work right, right? We can actually improve air quality because we can control where that fresh air is coming from in the house. So, you know, there's times, you know, an old farmhouse lasts several hundred years because a lot of air moved through it, right? And a lot of heat moved through it, right? Right. And we started, all these codes started coming in and trying to make the house maybe a little bit more efficient. Product manufacturers are building continuous sheathing uh, products and it got tight by default or a little tighter by default. And we started having problems because we didn't understand, you know, as the system as a whole. Um, but I'll come back to that air tightness. As a matter of course, it's the direction where we're going. Codes are driving it. So we really have to understand, you know, the techniques to do it and then, you know, prove that we've got it tight. And then, well, then we got to prove ventilation, right? Then we got to prove, you know, that we have these other indoor air quality type things in check. So it, it does snowball a little bit and there's a learning curve. But, you know, that's what I'd want to emphasize first and foremost. So could you comment a little bit about the need for careful, um, what, what do I want to say, uh, calculations? Because I think one of the things that I've seen is that people have a tendency, for example, an HVAC contractor that I used to work with a bit, it was just like, oh, we'll just put this size unit in there because we do that for every house, as opposed to really calculating the um, airflow through ductwork and things like that. And it just strikes me that as we get more scientific with the house, that maybe there's a bigger need for just better calculations, like what is the air exchange per hour? And is that really accurate? And uh, all, I guess I'm just asking a, a, a general question to kind of, is, is more scientific calculating a bigger deal now? Um, it is. I like, I'm okay with refining rules of thumb. Some people will um, um, badmouth or not approve of rules of thumb, but I think an HVAC contractor, for example, that goes into 20 uh, ranch houses that are 2,000 square foot, 
he doesn't need to do a calculation on that, especially on a retrofit, because he's been there and done that before. I mean, he does have to be aware of window orientation and you know, solar heat gain and dehumidification loads that, depending on the design of the building, might require those calculations. Um, but oftentimes, you can refine those rules of thumb um, and do a pretty decent job. And uh, I don't want to have that as a blanket statement that you don't have to do calculations. Right. Um, but I think it doesn't have to go all one direction where you have to spend a couple hours or doing load calcs on every each and every home. You know, it's it's the complicated houses or the, the newer homes that, you know, just doesn't have a lot of south glazing or west glazing. And, you know, what's that going to do to the air conditioner load? But just even, even in this conversation, you used a dehumidification calculation. I went like, huh? You know, that's just... Again, I'm not in there doing this every day, but that's something that I know when I was building houses, there was no calculation for that. We just put a dehumidifier, put a humidifier in for some time and the, and the furnace just dehumidified. You know, it's like right. or the even, even something like that is new to me. Right, or the furnace humidified, right? It has a humidifier in it, pumping moisture into the buildings and right. get the homes tighter. That's not maybe as necessary as it used to be. Right. So we right. need to take that into account. Um, oftentimes in a cold climate, and I'm in Wisconsin and Minnesota, we have um, our tendency is big furnaces, right? Big heating systems. Right. And then um, our air, the fan motor that blows all that heat around becomes actually maybe too large for our air conditioning loads where you'll see research and a lot of uh, research across the country will say air flows too low in a lot of air conditioning systems. Um, but it, you, taking that as a blanket statement, well, you'd come to where I live and it'd be incorrect, right? So you really have to focus on the region and the practices. Yeah, that, that makes a whole lot of sense. And that, that was one of the things that I found really fascinating as I've started going to the conference there in, uh, in the Dells, but also just kind of experiencing it, thinking about it's got to be different in Mississippi than it is in Wisconsin. And even the area where I did most of my early building was right outside of Washington, D.C., which in some forms is a relatively mild climate in both directions. And so the, the need for different uh, calculations and, and systems and stuff was certainly there. Yeah, I, I'm going to add on the air conditioning while we're talking about it. We've done a lot of research, and I've been in hundreds of homes where we put air conditioners through their paces to find out how they were set up to begin with. And it's um, air conditioners, uh, they have a problem on startup of the technicians getting it correctly, right? There's, there can be, you know, only less than 75%, so maybe there's 60%, 70% are actually tuned um, properly in terms of uh, having the right refrigerant charge. And even though uh, I mentioned airflow is often too high where a manufacturer will set the fan speed on high and it's set there to begin with and the technician doesn't change it. So then it's not operating as effectively. So it's a lot about setup as much as about sizing to begin. With. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty cool. So what are some of the other things uh, other than, you know, like energy savings and stuff like that. What are some of the other um, areas that researchers are focused on in terms of making a, a home comfortable? 
you've mentioned air conditioning and heat. What, what are some of the other things that contribute to the comfort of a home that you guys are working on? Yeah, obviously then the mechanicals come in and um, I'm not directly involved in uh, a lot of our air source heat pump uh, research that takes place, but there is that um, not only our organization, but uh, a number of others are, as the trend is to often uh, electrify our homes in terms of even our heating and cooling, right? As we look to decarbonize a lot of the energy that's produced, renewables come on board, there's a trend slow trend, but it's a trend in terms of um, how effective are these air source and ground source heat pumps in terms of uh, um, being reasonably priced, affordable capital up front, and how are they working? And that's certainly that technology is moving along um, pretty quickly in terms of providing whole home comfort at really low temperatures, right? Getting down to zero degrees and pumping some heat in there with, you know, when we build a high efficient home or I know when we're remodeling, we're affecting a, uh, maybe a small section of the home. So a little more of a challenge there. But as these homes get less energy intensive, these heat sources, such as an air source heat pump, becomes more practical, right? And their water heating loads to heat hot water is more expensive than heating our houses. So uh, real quick, I, I, I have so many questions jotted down. We could, <laughs> we could talk out all day here, but... So uh, if I'm a remodeler and I'm going into, you know, I'm either going into a house from the 80s or a house from the 1920s, where, what do you think is a great resource? And I know you provide a lot of great information, but, you know, in my experience, you know, you'd have the code book for one year and then the next year it went from R30 to R38 in the ceiling or the windows had to be this now to meet this energy efficiency code. Um, and all I could think, well, what about the ones from last year, <laughs> you know, or the ones <laughs> that I put it. So, you know, I know that we're constantly evolving as it goes with energy efficiency, but you know, how can a remodeler constantly be in the know in terms of putting in the right products and the best practices? Yeah, and I guess it's understanding where that wherever you are. Obviously, you have to build a code, and some uh, many states now are code is no longer often was seen as a, a minimum passing grade, right? It's barely livable, right? Or it's, it's you go to jail if you don't pass there. But um, <laughs> as codes have really involved to take a lead in terms of reducing energy use and. Um, as you do that addition or a gut rehab, I mean, the trend is towards zero energy homes, right? If you aren't aware, this is where it's going, right? So it's, uh, I think going and understanding the International Energy Conservation Code, the IECC, you know, from the 2012 to 15 to the 18, those are great resources to take you down a path towards a really high efficient building because ultimately that's where it's going. Um, another uh, source or resource to um, that has great schematics, diagrams, how-to is buildingscience.com. And so uh, those folks put a lot of information online for free and they share what their findings are and has uh, a lot of great resources. Um, and I'll plug another one is uh, greenbuildingadvisor.org. Uh, um, so they're another... Well, wonderful resource. 
So are they relatively easy to understand, John, just from the standpoint of if I'm a standard contractor out there, I, I remember going to some of the meetings at the conference there and I walked in there and there, the guy's going like, everybody knows this. And it was some equation that I had no idea what he was talking about. So are these, are these uh, websites relatively easy to navigate and easy to understand what they're trying to get across? Yes, I think so. Especially buildingscience.com does a great job. You find the right um, uh, details page and houses that work. Um, EBA is another good, another good one, eeba.org. Uh, um, and Green Building Advisor and Building Green, a couple of, uh, I think they're very, very uh, easy to navigate through. Very good. Okay, so as we start to wrap this up, John, what do you think, uh, give us some ideas about this conference that's coming up in February. We want to make our listeners aware of what I think is a great opportunity. And I'm just going to make a little plug for the venue. Uh, for any of us that doesn't know about the Wisconsin Dells, this is like the greatest place to go to a water park in the middle of winter. So the, the, the water park's indoors. It's a lot of fun. I've been down all the slides myself. But other than having some fun with the family, like what can you tell us about the conference, John, that might help people say this would be something, a good resource for me to go and learn some things? Yeah, it's, it is um, the Better Buildings, Better Business Conference. It's February 13th to the 15th, so it's right over Valentine's Day. But if you ever wanted to go to a water park in cold Wisconsin, I think it's a perfect <laughs> opportunity, right? You, you wouldn't want to miss this one. Um, so the Better Buildings, Better Business Conference, or B4, we call it. Um, really, we've been doing it for 20 years, and it's one of the largest. It is cold climate specific, so it really is about cold climate residential construction practices. Right. Um, and we have a um, strong show floor with 60 exhibitors on the show floor um, this year. We'll, you know, our theme is advancing the building industry for a clean energy future, right? So we're, we're bringing a little bit more solar to it, solar electric systems, and this whole conversation about electrifying our buildings. You know, it's like, didn't we have electric heat once before and try to electrify our buildings? But there's a trend to do that again, but in a much better way. Um, We'll probably have some electric vehicles on the show floor. Um, I've been delivering a couple electric vehicle ride and drive events and been driving some all electric vehicles. And man, those things got pickup, right? They put you back yeah. in your feet when you hit that pedal. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so what's the, what's the web website for that, for the um, conference? It is seventhwave.org uh, and then backslash uh, buildings with an S W I for Wisconsin, 2019. Okay, cool. John, John, I have one more question and I've asked this before, um, <laughs> with, with other guests, but for me, it's about vetting your materials and making sure that all the new materials that are coming out, we've got zip wall versus the old house wrap tieback. Well, not old, still very current, but you know, if we're going to adapt this new product, what's the best way to know that we're putting something in that will not fail if it is new? So the liability involved. Yeah. Follow the manufacturer's instructions. <laughs> There's a lot of, it's as I've attended educational courses to, you know, some of the best speakers um, in the country, it's, no one can tell you the right way to build a wall, right? Yeah. It's like there's no magic bullet in terms of this is the way you should do it. And it's, 
I keep waiting for it. And I think maybe I should put it out there just to have one that I say is, is good, but no one's right. going to tell you um, this is what you do to have the, you know, the magic bullet to reduce energy use in your home. Um, and it's all often about what's your crew's capabilities, right? Tim knows this, I think, in terms of what are they used to? How far can you stretch them in terms of the learning curve to, you know, where you want to go as a business, whether it's, you know, a panelized system or, um, uh, you know, composite insulated sheathings or uh, a house wrap um, to the outside, they all can work just fine. And you can't, you can't say this is it. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like managing the crew to get you know, to the point where they're comfortable working with their systems and then taking small steps from there. So perfect the systems that you want to use, do some research, figure out what the system is you want to use and then get your team to be, be really good at doing that system. Yeah. Yeah. There's each of the systems. um, Anybody can pull up failures from all these systems, but it has often has to do with workmanship, right? Right. So it's it's manning that workmanship and all of them have failures. All of them have successes. And <laughs> if you're looking for those um, uh, consultants, whether it's you know those building performance consultants that oftentimes are in the field on a day-to-day basis, looking at what went wrong, right? They're often a great resource, and also, you know, who we try to bring to the conference. Great. Sounds great. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate getting a little education today. Hey, I really had fun. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. Tim, that was another fantastic episode with John. What were your thoughts? Well, there's a couple of things that really popped to mind. One was just um, the wide variety of things that that this uh, company does for energy conservation. One of the big ones for me was um, being hired by governments to do research on various energy-saving uh, methods and so forth. So getting uh, the consumer aware of what's going on. I think the other thing is that utilities are caring about these things too. And of course, that's probably a profit-driven and uh, situation, but probably also the renewable energy and, and so forth like that. I think the big thing was me was just the idea of testing uh, manufacturers' claims. And I'm such a skeptic when it comes to this light bulb will last 4,000 hours. You know, I, I'd like to know if that's really true or not. And I don't think I have 4,000 hours to mess around with and, and check it out. So I thought that was a big thing for me. And, and I'd love to see, you know, some of those um, uh, results coming out of it. I'd also like to just reinforce the conference. And we kind of joked about the water park in Wisconsin during the middle of the winter that is a lot of fun, but I just want to reemphasize that uh, it's such a great place. If you don't know much about this kind of stuff or you really want to get into it deep, you can go there. It's uh, February 13 through 15. Uh, go on the Seventh Wave uh, webpage and you'll find all of that information. I also want to just reiterate a couple of the websites that John mentioned buildingscience.com. Uh, and greenbuildingadvisor.org. And again, if you have some questions about what you're doing and if that works, just go there, uh, look at what they've got, and see if that makes sense for you to use those systems. 
Well, great. Well, once again, we would like to thank John Viner for joining us, and we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, we're helping the bottom line through production training. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast-track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.